Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Amen. I love when people clap before I do anything. It's a confidence booster. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23, 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of knowing him, right? Through knowing him, who have called us to his own glory and excellence. 2 Peter 1, 3. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8, 32. David, a man after God's own heart, writes that God is the one who is ultimately has key ownership of his life. Think about this. King David compares himself to sheep by calling God his shepherd and declares that he lacks nothing because the shepherd who owns him owns everything. The apostle Peter speaks of this God, this shepherd, and says that his power grants us, the church, you and I, everything we need to live and to live for God, which is life and godliness through knowing him, knowing the powerful God who called us, created us, and is beckoning us to see, experience, and to live for his glory and his excellence. And lastly, the apostle Paul speaks of this God, this shepherd, and his power in a very intimate way. Think on this chapel. He says that you and I can call God Father. Father. And we can trust him to freely give us all things because God the Father has already given us his very best. Listen to this. The Father didn't save his own son so that he can save you and I. Church, that's good news. So why would this God, this shepherd, this father withhold anything good from his children when he's already given us the greatest gift he could ever give us, which is Jesus Christ? So when thinking about all of who God is, and all of who God, what he does, and could there be an attribute? Could there be a characteristic when understood, when known, when pursued, kind of lock the potential to knowing God with all our heart, souls, mind, and strength? I believe that it does. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. Open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read one verse together. Verse 6. This is God's word. It says, Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards. Everyone say rewards. Now say it like as Simon says, like if you don't say aloud, you're out. All right, say rewards. Reward. There you go. Listen, speaking back to the preacher doesn't make you more holy, but it does help the speaker. All right. So I need you to help me out. All right. Rewards those who seek him. The title of my message today is this. The God who gives. The God who gives. Let me pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. And Holy Spirit, we desperately need you. God, what we know not teach us, what we have not, please give us, and what we are not, please make us. For your glory and our good, in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Chapel, are you ready? Yeah. If you're not, I am. So here we go. The God who gives. Again, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards, everyone say rewards. rewards. You did better the second time. Good job. Rewards those who seek him. Let's think about this. 
How beautiful is the almighty God that the prerequisite to pursuing him is to believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Let me break that down. You have to believe that God is and that he wants to hook you up. (laughs) Sounds like a good deal. Right. The writer of Hebrews says that there is a requirement. Something must take place before drawing near to God. And the requirement is that you and I believe that he is and that he's generous. That we actually serve the God who gives. What if the attribute, the characteristic that we really need to focus on to pursue God is the generosity of God? You see, my mind, when I think about God, naturally goes to this. If you want to draw near to God, you must believe that he is and that he's holy, which is true, and that he's righteous, which is also true and beautiful, right? That he's all powerful, which is true. But the author of Hebrews says this. He chooses to focus on telling us we serve the God and we know the God who actually gives, who gives, And before we go any further, I want to show you something in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that you can easily miss without knowing the full picture of Scripture. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. So faith is also a requirement. I understand that. So the question becomes, well, how much faith does one need to appease this God who gives? What are you and I supposed to do to, to, to gain enough faith to actually please this God? Well, here's good news. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Hebrews 12, 2 starts by saying, Looking to Jesus, who is what? The founder and perfecter of our faith. Church, did you hear how generous God is? I said, how much faith does one need? What what must we do to gain enough faith to please the God who gives? But the Bible just told us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But thank God that he gives us the faith required to please him. Did y'all see that? Right? Thank God that he actually provides the faith that is needed to please him. The gift of faith we didn't deserve, we didn't earn, because it's God himself who is the author, meaning he started it, and the finisher means he will complete it of our faith. Of our faith. Come on, church, we got to break this down. Did you love God first or did he love you first? Was he lost or were you lost? Come on, like, so he sought us out. He loved us and he says this, oh, it's without faith it's impossible to please me. Here's faith. We serve the God who gives. Who gives. The story of Scripture begins. You, you, you can't even get long in the Bible. You get to Genesis, which starts the whole story of Scripture. And, 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 and the author shows us that we serve the God who gives. What does he do? He creates heaven and earth. We just sung that, Lord of heaven and earth. He creates everything and everything in it. Then he creates Adam and Eve. What does he do next? He gives it away, doesn't he? He says, it's yours. Be stewards of everything that I've created. He's literally gave them the world. All right, maybe too early for you, so let me break it down a little bit more. Okay, so God creates Adam and Eve, right? And what's the first thing he does? He actually blesses them. Do you remember this, right? He blesses them. Then he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. That's a different series, but that's a good thing for those who know. Be fruitful and multiply. Then he puts them in a garden. He says, guess what? You see this beautiful garden? Everything in it is good because I created it. And the only thing I do is good. 
Everything is exactly right. And you can enjoy and freely eat from every tree of the garden. But the one thing you can't do, don't do. Because if you eat it, you're going to die. And what do we do? Yeah. 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 Because they thought God was withholding something from them after he already gave them, gave them everything. When you and I sin, it's because we believe there's something more better than God himself and what he gives us. Oh, I'm going to talk about you today. <laughs> talk about me. We're all in the same boat. We serve the God who gives. He's very generous. And so with the time I have left, I want to hit at least three things that I believe that God is very generous with. Right. The author of Hebrews starts in Hebrews one. He says this. He says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So it's one way God gives. Well, God is generous with his words. God is very generous with his words. God speaks consistently at many times. God speaks creatively in many ways, whether it's through prophets, angels, a burning bush, a still small voice. God even used the donkey to speak to somebody. He loves to speak. The authors of scripture are constantly communicating to us that our God is generous with his words. Now, why should that matter to you today? Here's why. Imagine that you knew there was a God, that he was real, he was all powerful. He was available. He was kind, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And yet he was silent. Imagine if that were true. How could you trust someone if you never knew what they were thinking or feeling? Why would you give someone your life rather yet trust them for eternal life if they wouldn't speak to you? Would you imagine that? I haven't been married too long. I've been married for 12 years, but it's one thing I know. If I fly back home to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I look my wife, Georgia, in the eyes, and I say, hey, baby girl, I love you with all my heart, but from this moment on, I'm not going to speak to you. You all will be attending my funeral the next day. <laughs> next day. Done. Relationships don't work about that. Even people who aren't Christians would say this. A relationship is built on communication. <laughs> right? It's all about communication. Are you happy? Are you actually uh, excited? Are you actually humbled to know that the God in the universe actually wants to speak to you? He's generous with his words. With some of you like, well, Tim, I haven't heard the audible voice of God. That's okay. Open up your Bible and read it out loud. That's God's word out loud. Don't get mad at me. I mean, it's the truth. Like, I mean, seriously, though. He's generous. With his words, he actually wants a relationship with you. He knows that the basis of relationship is great communication. I know that because this is what Jesus says in John 15, 15. He says this, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus tells those disciples men who are following him, that their relationship is based on the words that he has shared with them from his father. And he didn't withhold a single word from them that they needed. We serve the God who gives. Our father is very generous with his words. Now, if you agree with me on that, if that's true, 
then how are we supposed to respond? Well, here's very simple. When God speaks, listen. When he speaks, when he's generous with his words, when the Holy Spirit begins to lead you in a certain direction, listen, listen. Author Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 5, he says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. I love that part. Not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who've had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I know that's a lot, but let me break it down to you. See, the author of Hebrews writes that our ability to hear, to actually listen, and our spiritual maturity and our usefulness in the kingdom is connected. Meaning this, hey, I want to be used by God. Listen to him. Hey, I, I, I want to be a part of God's will. I, I know he created me on purpose, with a purpose. Tim, what am I supposed to do? When he speaks, listen. I love the first miracle that we see recorded in the scripture that Jesus did at the wedding, right? When he turned water into wine. I'm not trying to debate, but that's a cool thing. All right. So he turns water into wine, fills and like wine, Kool-Aid. Okay, we'll do that. So he turns water into Kool-Aid. And I love what Mary says. She turns to the disciples and says this. And this, this, some of you need to hear this more. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Just do it. Nike took that from Mary. It's right there, right? Like, just do it. Like, whatever he tells John 2, 5. I'm not making this up. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Listen, because he's generous with these words. Sometimes Jesus, after teaching a whole message, think about this, the greatest teacher of all time, in my opinion, and I think my opinion is right, and if you don't think so, you have an entitled to a wrong opinion. But, but <laughs> Jesus goes, hey, well, after preaching goes, he who has ears, let him hear. Think about this. After teaching long messages, he still had to remind them, hey, listen to what I just said. There came a time in human history where God put on flesh. The man Christ Jesus would preach messages and say, you who have an ear, listen. There came a time. Yes, Lord. I'm going to listen, all right? I'm going to listen. I said, we never heard the audible voice of God. Well, you just did. <laughs> that was kind of scary. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> you know who you are. I'm the only one scared up here. Don't even act like that. Don't even act like that. For those watching online, a voice spoke. We don't know. We don't know where it came from. All right? <laughs> How do you recover, right? I was in my groove. I was going. <laughs> there came a time in human history where God wraps himself in flesh. And John writes in his gospel that he is the word of God. So it came a time in human history where the word of God would teach the word of God and people wouldn't listen. If they needed to be reminded by the word of God himself to listen, how much more do we need to be reminded to listen to the words of God? God is generous with his words. That's one. Number two, God is generous with his works. God is generous with his works. <clears throat> Psalmist writes, I lift my eyes to the, to the hills. 
From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep, I mean, slumber or sleep. It's a beautiful thing. Growing up, my coaches and teammates taught me a lesson. I would play ball, and I'm from Richmond, and um, they said, Tim, never sleep on your opponent. Now, some of you are like, what does that mean? So I'm like, ah, fall asleep. No. What it meant is, don't underestimate your opponent. Don't sleep on them, right? Because by the time you wake up or realize how good they are, you could lose the game, all right? So I'm going to be real with you, Chapel. Growing up here in Richmond, inner city, uh, we went out to Amelia County, right, <clears throat> to play basketball. When you think about Amelia County, I don't know if basketball comes to your mind. Now, I live in Kalamazoo now. It may have changed, right? It may have changed. But growing up, where I was from, um, it wasn't a question of if we were going to win. It was how much we were going to win by. And I remember watching even them warm up, and I'm going, I'm going to drop like 30 points on these guys, right? I ain't going to lie. They were just this white team looked like they came out of the cornfield. Some dudes had shoes. Some dudes didn't. Like, I'm just like, it's going to be a wrap. Like, it's going to be over. Like, this is going to be a good game. We lost by a lot. Every single one of them can shoot. They can farm and shoot. Those are the two things that God created them for. Farming and shoot. They can just shoot. I mean, it was just weird, right? And it's crazy when you have a country dude talk junk to you like, swish. I'm like, what? Like, it just, it just doesn't go. It, it's just different. I underestimated my opponent, right? I underestimated them. I was sleeping on them. And I love how the psalm reminds us about God, who God is and what he does. The psalmist writes that they could trust God to help them. Why? Because he created the heavens and the earth. Guys, we just sung that, didn't we? We just sung that. A.W. Tozer said this. He says, Christians, we don't tell lies. We sing them. Do you actually believe what you are singing? Right? All hail King Jesus. Let every knee bow before the king of kings. When's the last time you bowed because you realized you knew the king of the universe? And not just at chapel, but in your home. Right? The psalmist right that they could trust God to help them. Why? He created the heavens and the earth. Oh, and if that's not enough evidence, the psalmist writes, he is never lazy and he never sleeps. Why should this matter to us today? Because God has never been nor will be cut off guard. God has never been or never will be surprised. He's never been off his game. Everything you see and everything you haven't seen yet that exists, exists because he wills it to happen. And if that's true, and it is, shouldn't that be enough evidence to deliver us from our doubts that he is willing and able to help us? God wants to help you. He's generous with his works. Are we sleeping on the God who never sleeps? Are we sleeping on him? on the God who never sleeps? Have we become so familiar with the truth of God that we are underestimating what he can do with our lives? When was the last time that the hills reminded you that you have help? When was the last time that creation itself like actually erupted in praise, right? That you realized you know the creator who works for his sons and his daughters. Come on, some of you need to be like Buddy the Elf. Like, remember when he said Santa? He was like, Santa, I know him. Wait, he got just excited? Like, you actually know God and some of you, but you don't, ah, come on. Like, you know God. 
A couple of years ago, I lived in Colorado, and I remember driving, and I would just look. I know I'm supposed to be looking straight, but I would just look. Why? Because in front of me was the Flatirons, and it was the Front Range, and a 14,000-foot-plus peak called Long's Peak. And I would look at those mountains and go, I know that guy, and he's my father. And for someone who didn't grow up with his father, that meant a lot. You know why? Because if those mountains were there every day, then I knew he would be here with me. If I woke up and those mountains were gone, then I'm tripping, all right? But if I can look at those mountains and go, wow, I have help because I know the one who created that hill. What's an email that I have to send to HR? What's a hard conversation I have to have with my spouse or kids? When I know I have help. When I know I have help. God is generous with his words. God is generous with his works. And number three, God is generous with his love, isn't he? I just want to wash you with the word of God. What that mean? I'm just going to read some scriptures. I'm just going to pray that God would do what I can't and really show you how beautiful he really is through his word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, John 3, 16. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love towards us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 6 through 8. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and is seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Is the gospel still good news to anyone here? I just read your story. I just read your testimony. That is all of us right there. That at one point we were children, by nature children of wrath, and now we're sons and daughters of God. Through the blood of Christ, through the gift of grace, by the faith that he, were, that he gave to us. Man, seriously, guys, you got to preach the gospel to yourself. Listen, if the gospel isn't good to you, let me be honest with you. That just means, that just means that your heart may be growing a little cold. If I say Jesus loves you and your response is, I know that, you need to watch yourself. You need to remember that you didn't even deserve that. And you got to remember the price he paid for that to be true. Can you imagine those who are married? If you look to your spouse and you say, hey, I love you, and they go, yeah, cool. Thanks. But some of you are like, well, that's my every day. Well, guess what? Keep loving that person. Keep showing the love of Christ. But man, I'm so happy that when I go home and I see my wife and I look in her eyes and I say, Georgie, I love you. My country girl from Virginia looks at me and goes, I love you more. Do you know every time we worship Every time we sing songs of love and praise to our Lord, I believe in his heart. He goes, I know you love me. I love you more. 
I love you more. We serve a God who's generous with his love. If God loved you and gave himself for you before you believed in Jesus, how much more does he love you now that you belong to Jesus? He didn't leave you. I mean, he didn't save you to then leave you. He didn't, he didn't save you to then like forsake you. Why would he pay the price for eternal life but not give you what you need for life itself? He will. He's the God who gives. This leads me to this verse. That seriously, chap, I want you to rejoice when you hear it. Philippians 4, 19, Paul wrote, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours. Is it, oh, man. Woo. I don't even have time. Here we go. Jesus is so beautiful. If I'll take care of the birds, am I not going to take care of you? I am tired of worrying about the things that the world worries about. You know why the world should worry? Because they don't have hope. We know hope's name. I am tired of my joy being dependent on what the stock market is doing. And for those of you who did Bitcoin, praying for you. Um, <laughs> that was good. Um, but seriously, like, if our joy is swung but by what our balance says, we're forgetting that the greatest exchange was my sin for his righteousness. We're forgetting that right now I may be seated in chapel, but I'm also seated in heavenly places. We're forgetting that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. You're forgetting that if he raised Christ from the dead from with the Holy Spirit, you have the same spirit that lives and abides in you. That is true today. That is true. It must be true today. HBC Charles Jr., he said this, man. I love this as pastor. He breaks down this, this verse in a, in, a, in a beautiful way. And I just want to read what he says. H.B. Charles Jr., he says this when you think about Philippians 4.19. He says, remember the source of the promise. The verse begins with Paul speaking of God the Father in the most personal terms, and my God. God is not just a God. God is not just the God. God is so personal that Paul spoke of him possessively. Yet every Christian can call the Father my God. The scope of the promise, this verse says, and my God will supply every need of yours. This promise is all-inclusive. The sufficiency of the promise, how is God able to meet every need? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. God's glorious riches are inexhaustible. There is no limit to God's riches. He is totally sufficient to meet every need that arises in your life. Lastly, the surety of the promise. The verse says, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 is the cashier's check the generous Christian always carries in a wallet of faith. Let me break it down. The sovereign banker, my God. The insurance policy will supply. The check amount, every need of yours. The account balance according to his riches and glory. The check signatory in Christ Jesus. We serve the God who gives. Man, woman of God, find rest today knowing that the God who gives actually loves you. Ashley wanted to be in relationship with you. And because of Jesus, we can call him Father. 
Now, some of you can be in this room like, okay, Tim, I hear all that. But it's sounding a little prosperity gospel to me, and we don't roll with that. Listen, I'm not the prosperity gospel preacher. Let me tell you this. Because it said in Christ Jesus, meaning this. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. It's in Christ Jesus. Every promise of God is yes and amen in him. So let me attack the American church real quick in our mentality sometimes. Sometimes the church in the West thinks this. Jesus is a means to a greater end. And that's why our Christianity is joyless. Because Jesus will not be an accessory. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus did not die on a cross to give us a good life. He died on a cross so that we may have life. And he himself is life. So my prize and my portion is God himself. It's God himself. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the math and that is true. And if you have Christ today, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything you need in life and godliness. Everything you need. I'm not trying to minimize anyone's pain or anyone's struggle. I understand that. I recently just got back from Haiti. Trust me. I had to look them in the eyes and tell them the same thing as they went home to their, as they went home in tents and in huts. Why? Because if the gospel, if it's not the same gospel in Haiti that we're preaching in America, it's the wrong gospel. You have everything you need in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he is generous. With his words, he is generous with his works, and he is generous with his love. Would you please stand with me? Stand with me. At this time, I'm going to kick it over to the pastors and leaders of Scott's edition at this moment. As you stand, would you bow your head and close your eyes? I just want to give you a time to kind of process. Just a little pause, a little Selah moment. I want to give you an opportunity just to talk to your father. If you don't know where to start, you can just say good morning. begin to thank him for who he is and what he's done. Man, in this service specifically, I just feel like some of you need to just remember that that prayer, like return unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy spirit. Just the joy of knowing God just the joy of knowing who he is. I want to pray this scripture over you. It's not anything spooky or anything like that. I just like praying the scriptures because I know God approves of it. He, he wrote it. And as I read these scriptures over you, I want you to really think about these words and to make it personal and ask God to give you the faith to believe in them. And then we'll end our time by worshiping this God who gives. Jude writes, now to him 
who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen.